I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Hi, everybody. I hope this week you'll check out We Found Time, my new online magazine, where we have essays this week by best-selling author Jill Santopolo, who wrote The, the Light We Lost. It's about her working out. V.C. Chickering. Allison Kane, Melissa Schultz, and Ashley Prentice Norton, um, who wrote The Chocolate Money, which I loved. They have written five amazing, beautiful essays, and you should go check them out at wefoundtime.com. This week's sponsor I'm really excited about is Peeled Snacks. And I've been buying Peeled Snacks for a long time, so I'm super excited they want to be a sponsor. My particular favorites are the apple gently dried fruits, but I'm also now obsessed with the salty snacks they have, particularly um, the baked pea crisps in sea salt flavor, which are delicious and amazing to have stocked now in the midst of this pandemic because they're healthy and um I don't feel guilty giving them to the kids. Uh, The fruits, too, are made with no added sugars, so that also makes me feel good since I alternate those with Fruit Loops. Anyway, Peeled Snacks is giving my listeners, that means you, a discount code of 15% off the entire purchase for just this week. And the discount code is capital Z for Zibby15. So go to Peeled Snacks, Zibby15. You get 15% off. Stuck up on some of these awesome, healthy dried fruits and salty snacks. By the way, the baked pea pea puffs, butter and sea salt are also really awesome. Um, So you'll know what I'm snacking on and we can snack together. Thanks so much to Field Snacks for being a sponsor. Carrie Leiser is the author of Aren't You Forgetting Someone? Essays from My Midlife Revenge. She is the creator of the award-winning show The New Adventures of Old Christine, which was based on her life as a single working mom, and an Emmy-nominated co-executive producer of Will & Grace. She splits her time between Los Angeles and Vermont. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks for having me. Can you please tell listeners about Aren't You Forgetting Someone? Essays from My Midlife Revenge. Can you tell everybody what this book is about? Well, it's a collection of essays. You know, there's diversity there, but a lot of them are about my coming to terms with the loss of my identity as a mom, more or less, coming to this place in my life where all three of my kids are out of the house and what it meant. And and I had stopped working as hard as I was working, too. So things sort of came to a screeching halt all of a sudden where my house was empty. I didn't have three kids who I was constantly nagging about getting into college, getting up in the morning, getting their homework done, figuring out what they were going to be and do with the rest of their lives. And also running television shows, working on television shows, writing scripts, trying to do that, sell things. And so all of that sort of ended all at the same time. And I found myself sort of in this void of purpose. And so I started writing about it and and this sort of no man's land time of life. Also, it's the same time when, you know, my parents are aging and and that added to the equation of who am I and what am I doing with myself? And I started and I and I wrote stories about it. And they're so funny. I mean, you're you're <laughs> you make all the everyday occurrences like laugh out loudable. So that was really awesome as a reader to read. <laughs> and also Thank you. speaking speaking also as a mother because my kids are still relatively young. I love reading books by people whose kids are just a little bit older because it shows me the path, right? I just read somewhere, somebody said like, when you're a new mom, somebody who has a child who's six weeks old is like a prophet. 
But now I feel like, I feel like now when you have school age kids, it's people like you who show us the way and, and, and give us a preview of what's to come. So, and then people going through it, of course, can relate as well. So it's like the perfect time to write about, I think, and to read about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's still shocking when it happens, even though, you know, it's coming. I mean, everything you do when your kids are going to school is in preparation for that moment when they leave. I mean, I really, I think I, I think I even talk about it in the book. I do that. I was, I went to this playwrights conference. I was writing a play about this empty nest time of life thing and and about a woman that falls apart when her only child leaves. And she was this sort of super mom who had done everything and was room parent and, and, you know, went along on all the field trips and did all of these things. And then the kid leaves and she completely falls apart and her marriage falls apart and everything else happens to her. And so I'm writing this play about it at this conference. And there was this man there who was also at the conference. And he said, I don't understand why this is a play. Why is she surprised? Why is, and I was like, do you have children? And he had a kid still left at home. And I said, it is still a shock, even though everything you do sort of is in preparation for this moment when they leave, when they actually do it and it actually happens, it still is such a shock to your system. And I feel like every stage of parenting is like that. I, I, Remember my son, one of my sons, I have two sons and a daughter. My son, when he was nine years old and he was still in that really lammy phase where he would sit on my lap and at Little League, he would run up after he would be at bat and kiss me on my cheek. And I just thought, and it was just the greatest time. And there was a woman at Little League who had a teenager and she said, oh, I remember those days. Now my son doesn't talk to me. And I thought, oh, she has a horrible kid, I guess. I, you know, I mean, she, she got, you know, she got a bad seed. Well, how terrible for her. And I thought that will never happen to me. I have just these angelic children who will always sit on my lap and love me and hug me. And, you know, cut to five years later or whenever it was that, of course, I had those same children that everybody has that, you know, separate from you. So all of it is always shocking, even though you see it coming, coming down the road. Well, I think it's similar in a way to when you lose somebody, right, with grief, because yeah. you, you can know somebody is very sick and that mm. the end is in sight. But knowing that doesn't make that transition any easier. I find, yeah, right? It's yeah, still shocking and awful when it happens. Absolutely. I think that's true. I think, you know, I, I'm i at that age where a lot of my friends were losing our parents and many of our parents have been, you know, suffer with illnesses for years and years. And, and yes, still, still it is, it is a shock when they, when they go finally. And it is, it's, it's not easier just because we saw it coming. Yeah. Things in life is like that, I guess. I guess we, we sort of, we protect ourselves against it. I guess denial is a, is a beautiful thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I, used to, I used to think that if I, if I worried about something enough, that when it happened, it wouldn't bother me as much. <laughs> uh-huh. I think you know? I have that a little right? bit Right, so too, I just yeah. like, it, the more I can ruminate, I must be prepared, but it turns out that really is an ineffective strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I haven't fully, you know, tucked it away in the closet because re- I've been relying on it for so long that it's hard, it's yeah. hard to retire, but, um, <laughs> but it, is, yeah. it is one way. And yeah. I related also, it's not the same as what happened when your three kids were gone, but my oldest son went to boarding school this past September. Mm. And just having one child out of the house, I, you know, at some point my husband had to be like, he is still with us. You know, because I was <laughs> I was grieving in so yeah. much and crying so much, and yeah. I couldn't really articulate the the sense of loss other than like yeah. something had been so like cut short. It felt. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 
It is a shock to it's it's a shock to your system. I mean, I felt like I got a little taste of it when I got divorced, and I felt like it was a little bit ahead of the game because my kids had to go to their dads two nights a week, and it was so devastating to me in the beginning. And I would sit on my couch and look at my Apple TV of of photos of them and like in a, you know, a a photo thing, like the Ken Burns effect put to music of my Pandora. I mean, it was the worst possible thing to do to just sit on my couch and just weep at their baby pictures. But it was sort of good preparation. It was a little bit of of a mini course in separation because until then I wouldn't go on vacation. I wouldn't spend a night away from them. I wouldn't do it. I just, because I, I had that working mom's guilt that I just wouldn't spend an hour away from them more than I needed to because I was away from them when I went to work. So when I did get divorced and they had to spend those two nights out of the house, I had to process some of that separation, some of that grief. And so I think I was a little better maybe when they finally did have to leave the house. Maybe, I don't know. I wasn't great. So I can't imagine how I would have been if I if I hadn't gone through that before. I am also divorced and I had mm-hmm. a similar thing where I felt like, well, maybe now because I've been so sad for years when they leave, I'll be okay yeah. then. But I, <laughs> like you, like I remember at the beginning, just like sitting in my little boys, my youngest child's, like in his little chair in his bedroom, surrounded by all his stuffed animals, just like in the dark, like crying. And my husband, my new husband, my new husband was then not even my husband. He had to like pull me out of the chair and be like, get out of his room. <laughs> like you have to yeah. come out now. <laughs> it's very tragic. And I had this, I had this whole debate at the time. Like when your kids aren't there, should you leave their doors open or should you leave their bedroom doors uh-huh. closed? Which I still, no. you know, this weekend, my kids are with their dad. Do I go in and yeah. close them? Or, I don't know. I I've decided to leave them open. That's been my. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's it's still not easy. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I'll ever repurpose their rooms, for instance. I mean, they're, I can't I can't quite imagine it, but I don't know. I know it's a, it, it doesn't get easier. I don't think. They, Meanwhile, my yeah. mom like emails me and is like, I'm dr- like all your stuff is being thrown out from your childhood. So if you don't come and pick it up. Like everything is different. There are no signs of my brother's room or mine. A lot of traits. It's like she never had yes. kids. <laughs> yeah. So I guess everybody handles it differently, but. Constructs, <laughs> yeah. But sure. one of the things that you wrote about in your book so well was that feeling of just not having enough time, which I've sort of now like inadvertently devoted my my career to talking about. Um, But you had this whole quote in the book. You said, I was so busy. And this is referring to when you were working on your TV show and your kids were little and everything. You wrote, I was so busy some of those days between mothering, writing on other people's TV shows, then eventually running my own show, waking up at 4 a.m. to bake cupcakes from scratch so I didn't feel the burning shame of store-bought baked goods that I would find myself standing up halfway through peeing, declaring to no one as I yanked up my pants, I don't have time for this. (laughs) I love that. I just love that. Tell me about that time when you felt so, like, time-constricted and how it ends up passing, if it does. It does, finally. It does in a way that, that it's either that that year, I, for me anyway, I was either in that mode of everything had to be done all the time or nothingness. There's, there's no in between. That's, that's the hard part about it. Either everything has to be done now. You know, three kids have soccer tournaments, one in San Bernardino, one in Santa Barbara, one there, and, and I, and there have to be 15 of me or they're all out of the house. The TV show didn't get picked up. The book's going nowhere. The, you know, there's no, there's no 
boyfriend, there's no nothing and crickets, you know, there's nothing at all. So it's, it's feast or famine, you know, is what is how it seems to have gone for me. But during that time in my life, for me, it was this sense of not being able to do anything well enough, you know, just feeling like I was failing at everything, you know, just like I wasn't doing right by my kids and I wasn't doing right by my job and I wasn't doing right. And, you know, and to add on to that, I write about too, that I, my, my sister was very ill during that time. My sister ended up dying of a brain tumor. And so, which, and that lasted for a long time. And she had two young children as well. And, and so there was so many things pulling all at the same time that it's actually at this point in my life, it's a bit of a blur, which is why I was glad that I was able to write about it because I was able to recall moments that I didn't think were in my head, you know, and so that was that was nice to be able to write about that. I I recommend it to people because you remember more than you think you do, I think, because when I thought about my kids at that age, they were the twins were, I think were seven years old, maybe then. And, and Dayton, my youngest was five. And, and I, and I think of it all as a blur because I was working so hard and I was trying to care for my sister and I was trying to do all of these things. Like, boy, I wish I could go back because there was so much going on that I felt like I lost it a little bit. And the nice thing about writing about it is that you can retrieve it and that there's more in there than, than you think there is. And so that's, that was sort of the beauty of it for me. But yeah, that time was, you know, and I know it is for a lot of people, whether they're doing a, a job that is as consuming as that, just trying to get it all right with kids. I mean, it's impossible. You know, it's just <laughs> it just feels it just feels impossible. And it just feels like you're letting everybody down. And that's and that's what I heard from my friends at the time. And, and I still hear it. I mean, I still you know, everybody just thinks they're just always not quite getting it right. And that that was sort of the feeling of the hamster on the wheel and not getting the right, the uniform. And there were the emails from the coaches of, you know, just all that stuff. And, and I'm, you know, I'm a little neurotic and a little bit of a, of a, an overachiever and a little bit, because I was such a, a ne'er-do-well earlier in my life that now I don't know what happened to me that, that suddenly I just <laughs> want to do it all right. I, I don't want my kids to to be embarrassed and not show up with the right thing at the school and the, you know, and I already was showing, going to school and feeling like I hadn't been around very much. And so there were the, the moms there that I felt like I was getting the side eye a little bit because, you know, I hadn't been to, I didn't make it to the, to the concert the morning before, or, you know, we were filming the day before. And so I didn't show up and I was getting a little bit of a, I would get comments like, Oh my God, I, you know, I don't know how you do it. You work so much. I could never miss one of my kids' concerts. Good oh. for you. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you mean good, good for me. I think you mean something else. But, um, you know, there's those mommy wars that go on, which were frustrating too, because we should be on the same team. But it was, it's a tricky time. For everyone, for those moms too, you know, who are fighting their own battles, which is why they say things like that. I I was going to say, you know, it's the most insecure of all the moms who feel the need to lash out at everybody else, right? If you're you're like at peace with how you're parenting, you're not the one who's like wagging your finger at somebody's something or other. (laughs) Of course, of always, of course. Um, Yeah, we're all suffering (laughs) in our ways. But the thing is, is that despite how every mother or parent really thinks they're failing. Most kids turn out okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure your kids are great. Yes. Most kids are, they just turn out fine no matter what. So it's really this like 
putting yourself through this blender of shame and yeah. self-doubt and the kids are fine. Like the kids are fine without us. They're, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I just think this whole, it's like a whole mind game of moms and parents, oh, you know? <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about it. And like you said, you know, with your mom, you know, cleaning out, you know, throwing your junk in the garbage, you know, this preciousness about parenting, I think is new. And you're right. My kids are great. You know, my, and my kids, you know, in terms of my worry and my, all of my overwroughtness about the things, they were really glad I wasn't at school all the time. (laughs) (laughs) When I, when I would show up at school and and make sure that they saw me so that they, you know, they, they, I could check in like, Hey, I'm here. I am here. I am. They were horrified that I was making my presence known. (laughs) You know, So yeah, I think that the kids are fine. It certainly is all on us. There's no doubt about it. Even though you know that it's impossible to like put that into practice. Like you can know something intellectually and yet I'm still going to go to, if I ever get out of here and go back to a kid's assembly, (laughs) I am still going to be standing up in my row, like maniacally waving at my child to get that recognition. Of course you are. (laughs) So tell me a little more about the book you had written for TV. You have come up with, first of all, how did you get, I know we don't have that much more time left, but you're like this major TV person. How did you become, how did you start your own show and then... Like, how did you accomplish that? That's a whole different type of creativity than what ended up in the book, which is also super creative and awesome. I was an actress first. That's how I started. Um, When I was a a kid, I did commercials. So I did that for a while until I just, I mean, this is the dumbest story ever, but (laughs) I didn't go to college. I didn't, I didn't set myself to do up, to do anything real and just sort of was this flaky actress bumming around Los Angeles. And my work just dried up completely when I was about 30 years old. And it was sort of like, oh, I don't know how to do anything else. And so I went to a psychic who said, if you act, you'll be moderately successful. But if you write, you will be successful beyond your wildest dreams. And I thought, oh, that seems so much harder than acting. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) But I was broke and I had sold everything that I earned during my acting days. And so I wrote a play and I, at the time I was earning money typing the only subject I was ever good at in school was typing. And so I was typing scripts for friends of mine and I wrote a play and I passed it to these writer friends of mine who I was typing scripts for and they liked it and they put it up in a theater here in Los Angeles. They produced it and they invited all of their show busy friends and I got agents and I got TV jobs. And that was, that's sort of the short a fairy tale story of how it started. And a lot, I got a lot more yeses as a writer than I did as an actress. And fortunately, and at first I was very resistant because it was really like, no, 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 it's not, you know, and I thought, well, I'll just write until I can get, write myself acting jobs. And I was really reluctant. And, and now I'm so very grateful and it's been a great career. I mean, I've, I've written on great shows with, with really wonderful people and then started creating my own shows and that's sort of what I'm doing now. I'm doing a pilot now with Kira Sedgwick. And, you know, if I ever get out of my house, and which is about empty nest and which is sort of just all my world now and on my mind. But yeah, it's just a, a lot of luck and a lot of people that have supported me and, and been very kind and given me a lot of opportunities. So as, as, as it goes in this town in particular, that's sort of the way it happens. Wow. That's a great story. So now we can all drop out of college and... <laughs> 
try to put plays on and type our well, way to success. Well, I mean, thank God it worked out that way because there were very few things that I could do. So it's a stroke of luck for sure. And how does it feel having this book come out in the world, particularly now? And how is like how is it different than when you do a TV show and then you watch it? And like this is a totally different type of medium. How does it feel like that? It's like one big release, and now, you know, it's now. Yeah, <laughs> ish. It's. It's, I mean, this is, it's so personal, this book, obviously. So it's very vulnerable for sure. It takes a long time. You know, TV is so instant. It's, it's instant and you, you know, you put an idea out there and it, and you sort of, I, I write it one week and and it's, we're shooting it the next week and it's on, and it's on television. So, so it's a little bit more of a, a machine television and it's a little bit, it comes and goes and it's, if it's a success, great. And you can sort of, you know, push it aside and you're on to the next thing. This, it's a little bit more nerve wracking because so much time goes into it. And then there it is and it's out in the world and that it's coming out in the world during this really strange time, you know, is odd. You know, it's strange to be doing promotion and self-promotion when people are having such a hard time, you know, so even putting things out on social media and stuff feels contrary to what I should be doing. You know, I have to sort of say it with like, I know this is weird. And if you want to buy my book and you know what I mean? I want, it, it feels a strange time to be sort of tooting my own horn or, or even talking about anything other than the suffering that's going on and what people are going through. So it, it is a very mixed bag right now and it's very strange, but it's been a great experience. And it's been a sort of a completely creative experience because where television is so collaborative a book is such a personal, individual experience. And all the people I've found that I've worked with, it's all about sort of supporting one person's vision, where in television, it's just much more collaborative. It's about, it's it's a group effort. And the more people that join that experience, the more it becomes everybody's vision, which is great too. You know, it's just a different, it's just a different experience. Well, I'll say this about your feelings about self-promotion. I think your book will help people. And I think that as the author of the book, you should not feel bad trying to get it to the people who need it because that's probably part of why you wrote it to begin with. I mean, a lot of it was for your own, what you needed to do for you. But now that it's here, I mean, there are people that I feel really need to read this book and I think it's going to be entertaining people and it's going to be helping people. And if you don't mention that it's out there, then those people aren't helped. So I think as opposed to looking at it as self-promotion, it's more like it's like you have a Band-Aid and somebody out there is bleeding. You wouldn't withhold the Band-Aids because you have to charge a dollar to buy a Band-Aid or something. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I that would be my hope, that that it would lighten things up a little bit. That would, that would be my greatest wish for it, certainly. Uh, I appreciate that. I think storytelling is one of the most important ways people connect and people are dying for connection right now in every way. Mm. So yeah. in that way, I think it's, it's well-timed, so... Thank you sure. very much. I You're appreciate welcome. that. Do you have any author advice, like aspiring author advice now that you've finished this project? Well, I think it's my advice for any kind of writing. And it's what I tell aspiring television writers too. And the thing that's really just worked for me from the beginning, which is just to be authentic and, and you know, tell your own story. I just, you know, because when people are authentic and, and find their voice, I, I always find those stories the most compelling. So, and that's just, I could just say that that's what's worked for me. And so that's that's the only advice that I can give. And honing your typing skills, also important. Yeah, that typing is key. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's brought me a long way, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could remember my typing teacher's name. I would plug that person, but uh, I can't. 
<laughs> that would have been the shining moment for that typing teacher. You have to go look it up. <laughs> I will. I know. I'll find. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll do that today. That will be my today's project. Oh, perfect. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. It was really nice chatting with you. And thank maybe you. one of these Very days we'll meet in person. <laughs> that would be great. I would enjoy that. Thanks okay. so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Peeled Snacks for being a sponsor of this week's episodes. Peeled Snacks, again, discount code Zibby15, capital Z, Zibby15, for 15% off your purchase for this week only. And go check out the wefoundtime.com essays. They're so good and uh, they'll make you laugh and think and feel and, and all the good things. Have a great week. You can follow me on Instagram at moms don't have time to read books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 